nearly 30,000 yards, over 240 total touchdowns. Four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, one-time MVP, but most importantly, a mighty man of God. We have Mr. Randall Cunningham. Randall, how you doing today? Oh, everything is going great. How you doing, my friend? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. First and foremost, uh, you know, had a great time at, at Remnant yesterday. I was try I've been trying to track you down. I, I wanted to yeah. wanted to get you on the line for uh, for Super Bowl week, and uh, yeah. and you know, kind of just get your thoughts on the game and and uh, but but also just talk to you. And so, first off, welcome to the American Fan Three Six Five, and so thank you so much for being here. AB365, I'm in the house, and uh, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate you coming to church yesterday. You know, that's most of the time how a lot of people, they are able to get my uh, undivided attention, <laughs> is they just say, hey, pastor, how you doing? And it's like, I'm doing great, how you doing? And regardless to whether I know them or not, you know, it's it's always good striking up new relationships, and even though the time is quick and brief in between services, uh, it was a pleasure to get to see you. Thank you, thank you so much. And and first, we got to give our first fruits to to God. And so, first yep. off, you know, how long have you? Let's let's talk about Remnant a little bit. How how long have you had the ministry? Um, and uh, you know, what what are some things that you see coming in the future? Um, I've been pastoring now. Believe it or not, I'm going into my twentieth year. 
and uh whew, my gosh it it goes by pretty quick but it's like the impact and I look back at the sermons I mean when you when you preach three times on Sunday once on Wednesday and then when it's track season I share a message on Friday when I'm traveling I I'm like the chaplain for my daughter and the the UNLV girls that uh, I coach okay uh it's it's been great but we started about uh what was it, 2006, we actually built the church, but we, we began prior to that. I got ordained in 2003 or 2004, and uh, it's been an experience. There's been highs, and then there's been times when it's like, whoo, got to keep pressing forward. And uh, But you know what? Uh, God has been faithful, and uh, you know, it's good to be in the race, running for the prize, and uh, I love it. The people at Remnant here in Las Vegas, uh, uh, we're called Remnant Ministries uh, Christian Church, uh, Rennet Ministries, uh, Christian Church International. But uh, yeah, we've been here in Las Vegas. Got a nice, a nice uh, facility with a basketball gym, billiards room for the kids, lots of classrooms, uh, music production studio, a dance room for the the praise dancers and the ballet dancers. So we're doing a lot of uh, wonderful things here, and we have a lot of great people who are enjoying just being a part of the vision. And uh, I love it being the, the senior pastor. So I teach every Sunday most of the time. Yeah. I, I love it. First off, so I, I came a lot during COVID. So I, mm-hmm. I was there during a lot of the co- uh, COVID uh, services. Um, and I remember, I was actually telling some people yesterday, I remember when you guys were actually looking to build the basketball facility. So yep. that's actually yep. happened. Congratulations <laughs> yes. on that. I didn't know that. So that's that's a, that's already a, a testimony in itself. Um, yeah. But, but what led you to ministry after football? And, um, you know, and what, what do you feel is your testimony? That's actually a question that came from my dad yesterday after church. Oh, so yeah. I wanted <laughs> to make sure I got that in there for him. <laughs> you know, um, there was a time uh, I grew up going to church. My parents, you know, they drugged me to church. I had a drug problem. They drugged me to church. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids, we, we were drugged to church, you know. Uh, That's right. And, uh, but that was a good thing that, that mom drug us to church because she would make us custom outfits and things. And, and growing up in Santa Barbara, California, it was truly a blessing. And, and we had, you know, issues just like everybody else has issues. But um, I never planned on being a pastor. I wanted to be a professional football player yeah. or I wanted to be an Olympian for a track and field with high jump and things like that. Thank God I get coached my daughter and my son and, you know, the other athletes that come to me from around the country. But um, my testimony really goes back to I come from uh, I guess we were dysfunctional as a family uh, in Santa Barbara, California. And the next thing you know, we all get scholarships to college to play football. And my brother Sam makes it. Um, and I said, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be a professional football player. And I made it and played 16 years, you know, uh, with uh, four different teams, believe it or not, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Baltimore Ravens. But um, after that, uh, during that time with Minnesota, I was being discipled uh, by Keith Johnson, the chaplain for the Minnesota Vikings, and and my pastor, Pastor the late uh, Pastor John Michaels here at Calvary Chapel, Spring Valley, which is now Awakened Church here in Las Vegas. Okay. But... Um, he, uh, Pastor John really, you know, pushed me forward. Keith discipled us and, you know, taught us Hebrew and Greek and just really challenged us with the evangelism and just learning how to pray and understanding the, the elements of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, my pastor kept us in the solid teaching. So started a Bible study years ago, uh, 20 something years ago. And the next thing you know, it grew and uh <laughs> My pastor said, this is not a Bible study. It's a church. We have to get you ordained. So I avoided him for about two years. Okay. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm not a pastor. So he said, we're having an ordination. 
And uh, in the midst of that ordination, uh, I prayed and fasted for about 30 days, lost about 20 pounds. And uh, he said, are you going to accept the ordination? I talked to my wife and he said, yeah, uh, yes. And so, you know, we've been loving on people and uh, shepherding remnant ministries here in Vegas for, uh, you know, about 17, 18 years in our building. Yeah. And uh, it's it's truly been a blessing. The building's about 40-something thousand square feet, uh, 500 seats, and just a lot of people who just love God. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't tickle people's ears with the word. I preach the Bible verse by verse, as you know. Yes, you do. You come to Remnant Ministries, you're going to get taught the word of God. And that's the only way we know, because Pastor John was a great teacher and uh, Pastor Keith was a great mentor. And so um, I guess the testimony is uh, one day I was coming uh, after being invited uh, uh, into the NFL through the draft. <laughs> I was drafted and I just happened to catch myself just saying, God, I must owe you something. And he said, yes, your life. And that hit me like pretty square in the face. And my, my conscience was hit. My heart was hit. Uh, revelation hit me and let me know that, you know, I have a calling to whom much is given, much will be required. That's right. And so I started reading my Bible. I started going to church. And the next thing you know, you know, I've read through the Bible once and God says, read it again. So I start reading again. Then I start making notes and I didn't realize they were sermon titles, you know, do not be consumed by much wine, um, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slowly become angry. And I was committing things like that to my heart and started the Bible study here in Vegas. The next thing you know, <laughs> full on church. Now we probably have a thousand people that attend the church. I teach three services, 200, 400, 400 um, attendees. And uh, online, we've got a, a good presence, you know, yeah. over a thousand people online uh, through one search engine and another thousand on another search engine. So it's it's truly a blessing. But, you know, I'm, I'm right where God wants me to be. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, today's interview is brought to you by our friends at Coco Love, the beverage of choice of the American Fan 365. Head over to www.cocolove.water for your own case of coconut refreshment and use the code TAF365 for your discount on Hawaiian Beach vibes. Switching gears over to this weekend's game. Uh, Pastor, do you do you watch much football now? Like, do you get a chance to catch games or even catch highlights after the fact? It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Two reasons that it's hard. Number one, I, 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 uh, I'm in church, so I love yes. being in church. And then right after I finish church, it's about 12 o'clock. And so I'm winding down and sometimes, you know, that love sofa, that seat, it, it calls me, you know, to sit there for a while. <laughs> but uh, the other reason is, is like, I can't go back and play. So it's like, it's in vain to me. You know, mm. I want to go back and make the 40 and 50 million like these guys are making nowadays. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. So it becomes uh, like, I become a fan now and I'm fan mode. Yeah. And so I could actually sit in that chair and, and, and be a, you know, uh, a coach from the sidelines, yeah. you know, acting as though I really know what's going on out there because I've been there before. But uh, no, I don't get a watch. I, I watched a quarter of Baltimore because I love Lamar and, of course, Mahomes. And yeah. then I watched the Detroit and the Frisco game. Okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm an Eagles guy. So, you know, if the Eagles aren't in there and the Cowboys aren't in there, it's like, ah, whatever, you know. What about my Redskins, man? You see I, you see I got my Redskins jersey on for you today. You you don't even yeah, do, I thought just that was a, I thought that was a hockey jersey. I didn't know what that was. 
<laughs> see, see, I'm taking shots from the legend too. This is just, this is just terrible. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we were rivals, so don't even start. I know, I know. Watched it with Look, Doug Williams, man. Come on, Jay Schrader, uh, Thiesman. You know, they had the ballers, man. All those great players, great coaches, Coach Gibbs. I always had respect for them. I got my first victory down there. Yes, you did. Uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. And so, yeah, and then Doug and I, Doug Williams and I were very good friends. So I was there when he won the Super Bowl. We went and became, you know, better friends after the Super Bowl. We went and spent time together. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, Jay Schrader actually lives here in town. He's he's in yep. town. He's at Lake Mead Christian Academy coaching over there or the athletic director. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he is. He's oh, at a Christian see. church. See, I'm after that's off of Lake Mead. I used to coach against them. So I'm going to have to run up on yeah. Jay. I did not know that at all. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank, thank you for that little tidbit. Uh, we won't talk too much about the games, but um, I, I did want your take just in terms of that uh, that Baltimore Chiefs game in terms of just how tough it is as a quarterback in such a defensive struggle where it's like, hey, look, we've got to take what's there. It's it's, it's going to be a fight. Um, mm -hmm. Let's not make the yeah. mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. Um, I can still talk football now. Um, I, know. I am a big Lamar Jackson fan. I mean, he told me he was a fan of mine when he was a kid. And I'm, it's like, it's, it's now I'm in that seat of him. And uh, I really, really love watching him play. And when I heard they had the number one defense in the league, I said, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. But I discounted Mahomes and, uh, of course, the head coach yeah. for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who is just flat out a winner, maybe the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. You know, I like Belichick, but when I see uh, the big guy, man, it's just like, you know, just Andy's no joke. Yeah. And he's a strategist. But the difference with him is he loves his players. Uh, he cares about his, uh, I mean, when you see the head coach in commercials with the quarterback, that's pretty that's pretty serious. Yeah. And yeah. getting along at the same time. And, you know, so there's a camaraderie there um, that helps them to compel to the next level. And Lamar, I, I had no doubt that they were going to be able to, I knew it would come down to the end or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, players have to step up. You can't just think that Lamar is just going to be Michael Jordan all the time. There comes a time for the other players to to tote that ball uh, and, and get 100 yards or those receivers to make uh, spectacular catches and make things happen. It's just that simple. And then the defense, uh, whatever you do during the year, it doesn't matter until you get to the playoffs. That's right. You know, when you get to the playoffs, defenses win. Defenses win Super Bowls. We all know that. Look at me. I, I, I had a lot of fun playing, yeah. but I didn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, so it takes uh, coaching, it takes uh, uh, management, and it, and it and it takes great offense, great defense. But it, the coaches are a big part of it, and they have great coaches there. But that that game, only one team is going to win. You know, it's that simple. Even only one team is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And, and the crazy thing I, I was talking about earlier on on another episode, back to back weeks of a fumble at the goal line, the defense either gets it or it's a touchback. Yep. Um, yep. how big of a play and how rare is that? Cause you know, back to back weeks, but you almost go a whole season without seeing that play happen. You know, that's the, that's the unknown that God is in control of. You know, we have our yeah. own ambitions. We have our desires. We have our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations. 
And but the bottom line is, is God is still in control. So whoever God wanted to be in the Super Bowl, that's uh, who makes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a, I'll skip forward a little bit just in terms of just things with you. Um, do you do you truly feel your impact? Like, do you feel your impact on the game of football um, after all these years? Do you feel your DNA um, in what you did on the football field in today's black quarterback? Uh, yes, I do. I feel uh, Doug Williams, uh, Vince Evans, Warren Moon, and uh, Shaq Harris, James Harris, that we we had an impact when people were saying, you know, we don't want a, an African-American quarterback, but they would say black quarterback. I'm an mm -hmm. African-American. Um, um, no, they're not good enough. Hey, all of that's over with now. Um, last year, you look at the Super Bowl, it's Mahomes versus Hurts. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, Mahomes is in there again. and if it wasn't Mahomes, it was going to be Lamar Jackson. So it's it's really that thing kind of is a, is a thing of the past. Yeah, and it's it's really amazing to see that now we have um, an opportunity just to be looked at as great players. If you look at the draft, a lot of the guys are being drafted African American quarterbacks. They're doing well. Yeah, and I think it's when you tell somebody what they can't do, you tell Michael Jordan you can't make our high school basketball team, but you can be a Worth, be worth $2 billion later for being a basketball player. Yep. <laughs> so what it did was it just stirred up a lot of um, emotions in myself. I'm, I'm thinking, why can't I be a black quarterback? And when you see these other kids, they're going like, wow, we can do it too. I like Warren Moon. I like uh, Vince Evans and Doug Williams. And, oh, by the way, throw the younger guy in there, Cunningham too. Yeah, he's scrambling all over the place. Yeah. You know, it gives people hope. And that's what, you know, I think life is built on hope. People, you know, when you tell somebody what they can't do, sometimes that brings out the best in them. That's right. 13 starting quarterbacks this year, five additional ones. So 18 total black quarterbacks appeared in an NFL game this season. Um, mm -hmm. You know, truly remarkable. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I could be honest and say I ever saw this coming. Um, because like you said, it was always, there was always not the stigma, but always something that they tried to put on us. Um, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, last week, I actually mentioned you on air last week when I was talking about Lamar Jackson, just in terms of what getting to a Super Bowl and winning it could do forever to put finality to, oh, a black quarterback that runs this way or scrambles and, you know, and throws. Um, it, it would end that conversation forever if he won a Super Bowl um, you know, it's it just, it's, it's beautiful. And, and, you know, I really, I feel, I'm truly honored that you came on today. Um, truthfully, uh, before we get out, I just wanted to ask a few more questions. Um, what, what were some trials that you had as a, as a African-American quarterback, um, playing, playing that position in the league? <clears throat> Trying to find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Miss Felicity. <laughs> My wife, oh my God. You know, the Bible says that uh, the man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Finds a good thing. And finds favor in the Lord. Yes, and sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was, uh, you know, I didn't go through all of the the N-word and all the craziness. And mm. I've been spat on from a stadium, but it wasn't because of my color. It was because the Giants fans just like the Giants. You know, <laughs> and when we're in the stadium and we're in Buffalo, New York, you're going to, you're going to get a little spit spraying down on you, you know, just <laughs> is the way it was. And, uh, uh, but you know, 
my mine wasn't all the racist racism and things like that. Mine was just trying to find out who I was supposed to be as a person. The same struggle that everyone has in daily life, just trying to figure out your purpose or my purpose and uh, try to figure out who I'm supposed to be, my identity. Yes. And I, I didn't find that out until I started reading the Bible. Mm. And uh, wow, my eyes were opened to realize that my life really doesn't belong to me. And so uh, my struggles were not with prejudice or racism. I grew up in California and I did experience it, but it wasn't like I grew up in, you know, a deep, deep, very racist area. Yeah. It wasn't like that. And and then I've always loved everyone. You know, it doesn't matter what color a person's skin uh, may be. I've always loved people. And so I think that uh, God knew what I could handle and what I couldn't handle. So he didn't put me through much of that. I love it. That's 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 a that's a testimony in itself. Um, yeah. Your your former your former teammate and a mighty man of God, uh, Reggie White, minister the minister the of defense. White. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, can can you? I, I, he just had that thirty for thirty come come out, and you know I know that you spoke on it a little bit. Can you talk about just his life? And um, I know that you had mentioned just in terms of um, you know how deep he was in his faith at that point yeah. when you all played together, and kind of what impact mm-hmm. that may have had on you. Reggie uh, was the perfect person I needed in my life uh, when I made it to the NFL. We both came in at the same time. He came from the USFL, Mm -hmm. and I came from college. And Reggie, uh, he would get in your face. He didn't care who you were. And he was bigger than everybody, you know, (laughs) six foot five, six foot six, 350, running four, seven in the 40 meters. Uh, If you hit him, it wouldn't hurt him. And if you ran, he was going to catch you. (laughs) But he, he didn't want you to run because he was a big, loving guy. But he, he did not play when it came to if you put the name Christian on your jersey and 777, you said you were a, represent, a representative of God, he was going to hold you accountable. And the late Reggie White, uh, he told me one day I happened to be in sin. I was living with someone. Uh, and he says, you should marry that girl. Uh, don't be living together. It's wrong. And, you know, whatever my comment was, is like I wasn't really trying to hear that because I really wasn't a Christian. I was thinking I was, but yeah. I was just really very carnal and lukewarm. But I thought talked about, about lukewarm it. yesterday. You did talk about lukewarm yeah. yesterday. <laughs> but he just stayed in my grill. And, you know, I kind of like began to understand that he loves me. He was my brother and he loved me like like a brother. And the next thing you know, I start going to church. And then he challenging challenges me with, do you pay your tithes to the church? I said, tithes? I said, no. I said, show me in the Bible where I'm supposed to pay 10%. He went to the book of Malachi. And from that month on, I made up my mind that I was going to tithe. And I remember my first check as a true tither was $100,000. And uh, (laughs) it was like, I've seen the blessings of God, how he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. I've experienced that, but it took Reggie White putting his, his finger on my forehead a few times, <laughs> <laughs> saying, Randall, you better pay your tithes. You, you hear me, right? And, uh, and I listened to him, and I began to grow. And then we started a ministry uh, called um, Cause Christian Athletes United for Spiritual Empowerment. And Pastor Keith Johnson with the Minnesota Vikings chaplain, he was the one who headed up and he challenged us. He took us through a book called The Man God Uses. And oh, my God, it all began with a seed from Reggie White. 
you know, he planted the seed and watered and God began to give the increase. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for his seriousness because now I am very serious and I, I don't, I don't want people to take their relationship with God for granted. And I don't, I don't want people being hypocrites and, you know, just acting as though they're Christians, but they live together and they're yeah. in drugs and embezzling and lying. No, no. If we're going to uh, be coupled with Christ, we have to live right. It's that yeah. simple. And that's how I, that's how I teach, as you know. Yeah. You have, listen, and, and, and as a, as a young <clears throat> believer, you know I mean? I'm, I guess I'm kind of middle-aged believer at this point now, but it's still as a younger believer. Um, I can, I can say that, uh, in today's society, that is that is the hardest thing is is being all in for Christ when mm-hmm. everything in the world distorts the message, um, you yeah. know, and, and and it's it's all about getting in your word and and uh, you know and and just pressing forward and just being the best version of yourself that you can be, um, you know, God God's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you you have to still meet him in the middle. Yeah. You know I mean, I feel like I um I um. I'm just really grateful because when I first became a Christian, I said the prayer of salvation. I'm like, okay, I'm a Christian, but I was a smart aleck. And I asked a guy, uh, Tom Cameron, who led me to the Lord, the late Tom Cameron. I said, how am I going to know that I'm a Christian? He says, oh, now the Holy Spirit will convict you. I don't know what conviction is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so I go back from Vegas and I, I'm, I'm back in the locker room in Philadelphia and, you know, and I just the cursing and stuff that goes on with locker room talk and the course jesting. And, and I, back in 1987, after I had given my life to Christ, I caught myself being a part of the conversation and the Holy spirit said, no, that's not you anymore. You belong to Christ. You gave your life to Christ, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. And so I was like, wow, some of the words that came out of my mouth weren't uplifting. And I said, wow, he was right. The Holy Spirit, that's what conviction is, yeah. is that I feel brokenhearted and I, I have to repent from what I've, what I've done. Yeah. And from that point on, I kind of backed up in my locker and just, you know, everything became, became magnified. All of the things that were said in the locker room, I could hear everything. And it was like my love for football started to dissipate. Mm. I just uh, it was like, I don't want to be around this anymore. Wow. You know, thank God it was towards the end of my time in Philadelphia. but. I realized that there was a, a bigger calling on my life and it was really to live um, as a Christian. And I, my identity was no longer, I'm a football player. Yeah. I'm, I'm a child of God. And so I grew from that point. And here I am now, 60 years old with gray hair and, you know, no more high top fade, but just a, <laughs> a, a fade, you know, <laughs> no more Jerry curl. There it is. <laughs> but just try, just trying to, you know, stay healthy, stay strong and do what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I only have two more for you. So the, 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 the next one now playing in Philly, um, you know, you were surrounded by all the other teams in your division won the Super Bowl, you know, you, and then, and then in Minnesota, um, first off, I just want to tell you that you, if you didn't know by now, the entire world wanted the Vikings to win. Um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we all, we all felt that loss with you. Um, what does it feel? Cause I, we were talking about earlier on, on the previous episode, like, what does it feel as the leader of the team, as the quarterback to be like at the door, 
seeing into the party like we're here yeah. we're right there yeah. and then not yeah. make it what is what is that emotion because you know we talk about the lions and, and the ravens now like what are yeah. those teams going through right now well i'll tell you what i had my dance shoes ready to go to the big dance <laughs> you know i was ready to to show up and and represent god and um the beautiful thing about God is that it's his will over our will. And I think that's what mankind has to figure out over time. Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking we're the, the, the most prolific offense in the history of the NFL. Yes. Our, our, unfortunately, our defense was not ranked very high and defenses win championships. And I had totally forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. The fact of, you know, the uh, algorithms of defenses being good and you get to the Super Bowl, but. I realized that when we were playing, I had to accept whatever God's will was. Now, I did everything that I could, including running out of energy in the first half and then having to drink up and eat up everything I could just to get energy to finish the second half. And then we went into overtime, and they got the ball, and they went down, and they kicked that field goal. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, peace, hmm. Yes, God, your peace surpasses all understanding, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I actually, I I experienced that. And so I sat there in my seat on the sideline for a moment. I said, wow, just got a new contract. And sure enough, we're not going to the Super Bowl. I went in the locker room, and many people were crying at the top of their lungs. We all were like like, like zombies. You know, we were like, did that just really happen? We're, this is a dream. We, it, it, the game hasn't even started yet. <laughs> and the reality was I went back to the locker room and did the press conference with about, you know, 100, 100 reporters in there. And I had to answer the questions. And I said, it wasn't God's will. That was the only way I could answer anything they had to say. Yeah. And so I'm walking out with my head down and, you know, just happy to hug my wife and my children, my newborn children. And when we go outside, it's probably minus 30 degrees, and there are 3,000 Minnesota Vikings fans out there. And I'm like, wow. They waited two hours for us in the cold to come out just to say, we still love you. That was one of the greatest experiences I've had in my life, is that in the midst of failure or defeat, people still care. And God had those 3,000 people out there to encourage us, saying, hey, next year, next year we'll get a... And little did I know I would be benched the next year, you know, be the MVP one moment. And then five (laughs) games later, I'm on the bench and I'm going like, huh? You know, so, you know, you go through little trials and things like that. But God builds your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'll go ahead and get us out on this. So first off, and I don't even think you know this. um, So uh, Delaney Gossie is actually yes. one of uh, that's actually one of my former players and I coached her at Meadows. Meadows. That's yeah. right. And oh uh, my god, I, you really go back. The, see, you don't even you don't even know who you're touching. Wow. You don't even know who you're touching <laughs> in the city. And that um, and so I wanted to give you a shout out just for everything that you've done in the track and field community and um you know just how many lives you've touched and you know Delaney went off to you know to to Reno. go to to Reno to be at you know UNR and then ends up playing basketball there yeah. as well and yeah. um you know you've you've impacted a lot of people in this valley and in this world and um and I wanted to make sure that you heard from me that uh, that you're you're truly appreciated. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is amazing because <laughs> I remember her parents coming to me and saying, "Hey, 
will you coach our daughter? And I'm like, who is she? And she says, oh, she goes to Meadows High School. And I said, well, where is she at? So I went and watched her jump. And she was jumping like 4'11", 5 feet. And I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, well, she's tall. Yeah. She can get it done. Yep. Perfect body to, to, to high jump. And I'm thinking, get her with my daughter, get her with my son, and have them pr- training together. Delaney went through the roof, went from 5 feet to 5'6", or 5'8", or something yeah. like that. Got the scholarship up to Reno. I, I I I just kept talking to the coaches. I said, no, this one's the real deal. Then she turns around, retires from basketball in high school, and then turns around and gets a basketball scholarship yeah, yeah. Reno <laughs> and does both. And it's like I've always loved her because she's the sweetest kid, you know, nice young. I know that she's going to be successful in whatever she does. She's probably got her doctorate by now or her master's, <laughs> so I'm sure she's doing very well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I'll make sure to I'll make sure to clip this and give give Delaney a, a special shout out. But uh, I'm gonna but, look to see if I still have her number. Yeah, I I, I think I have her number. So I mean, well, you look, send it to me. I, I will. I will. I'll, I'll text yeah. you what I have for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, that'd well, be great. I just wanted to thank you so much again for uh, for coming on and um, like I said, just being a light in this world and and everything that yeah. you did for. Uh, for for people like me, even you know, even yeah. when I was was hating you, but using you on Techno Bowl, uh, on yeah, <laughs> on Nintendo, on <laughs> QB QB twelve. That's right, that's right. They can't tackle that guy. Um, but uh, but I, I just wanted to thank you again, and um, and and, and I will I, I will continue to to stop in uh, Remnant as much as I can. You know, I'm president of my church now, and so yeah. um, oh, wow. you know, so I, I'm I'm gonna keep doing my best to to keep. Keep coming out and seeing you as well. Thank you, brother. You be blessed. Stay strong, all right? Thank you so much, and you have a great day, all right? Thanks for having me on. Yes. All right. You take care. All right.